introduction to this morning's sermon than that as the topic is the great God's great words to us, the greatness of this book called the Bible. And uh, uh, I will tell you, if we only understood, if we truly could understand what God has given us, what we hold in our hand, tell you what, you'd never put it down. You'd never come and say, Pastor, do you have a good book on fill in the subject? Could you recommend somebody's commentary? Because the Bible, you hear me say this often, and I hope to illustrate this this morning in the message. If you want the commentary on the Bible, the greatest commentary that's ever been written, if you want to understand what the scriptures say, read your Bible. The answers are here. They're not out there. I don't know how many times I've picked up a commentary. I'm struggling with the passage and I'm looking and I'm studying and I'll pick it up and I'll read it and I'll go, oh my goodness, he is so much more confused than I've ever been. And close the book and open up the Bible. You got to read. You got to pay attention. Uh, You got to make sure you make the right connections. I'll tell you, we live in a world of what they call parallel truths. Now, there's no such thing as a parallel truth or parallel reality. There is truth and there's non-truth. You only have the choice between the two. And truth, because it is truth, cannot contradict itself. Uh, I mean, just one simple little illustration is the law of gravity. Gravity doesn't work in some places and not in others. I don't care how much PCP you put into your system, gravity still works. And when you walk out the window thinking you can fly, bad things are going to happen. And it does every year. All over this city, people die because they think that laws, that truth does not apply to them. Think about it. How many people think you can eat anything you want, as much as you want, and it won't hurt you a bit? Well, a few teenagers raised their hand. You can get away with it when you're young. But the day is coming where it doesn't work that way anymore. I mean, when I was a teenager, I loved hot pepper and cheese sandwiches. Just get them out of the garden, slice them up, little mustard, little cheese, and oh, that was wonderful. Can't do that anymore for some strange reason. The old system is not built the way it used to be. It's not cast iron anymore. I think it's uh, just going to get a little sticker, put fragile on there, treat with care, amen? Uh, You have to watch these things. You can't just do whatever you want. 
Some people said, it's a free country. I can do what I want. Try not paying your taxes for a while. Hmm? I'll tell you what, you've, every one of us are under rules and regulations. And if we're not careful, we're going to get ourselves in a lot of trouble. Of course, my favorite one is, I'm rebelling against society. I'm tired of mom and dad's rules. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Be my guest. I, I never have understood that one. You can't even breathe without permission. But people do it. And they're usually better off after it's done because they learn that, yeah, you do have to listen to somebody. Amen. We live in a world where they say you can choose your truth. I want to challenge you that never has been and never will be true because if you can choose it, it's not truth. Truth is truth because it is. Just like God is God because He is. He said, but I can't understand that. Good. Because if you could understand God, then he would be smaller than you are, and that's not much of a God. Now, we got to think a little bit this morning because we want to talk, I want to preach this morning on God's great words to us. And, and I want you to pay, uh, be uh, patient with me this morning because we're going to go through several things, and the point is at the very end. Just one verse I want you to look at. I guess Brother Sam's rubbing off a little bit. We're going to try this this morning. But I want you to start with me in Job. And we're going to travel through the scriptures this morning just a little bit. Job chapter 23 and verse 12. The first idea I want to bring forth and, uh, is that God's word is great substance. God's Word will sustain you. God's Word will give you what you need to live. If you want it as simple as I can put it, God's Word is great food. It is what your soul needs. And many of us know this verse, but Job 23 and verse 12 says, Job is speaking here. He says, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Do you get what Job is saying there? He said, in my understanding of things, in my system of valuation... I esteem, I value God's words, the words that I have heard from God, more. It doesn't say more than food. It says than my necessary food. What he's saying is if I had a choice between having the food that I need to live, now that's a starvation diet, my friend. And having God's words, it is more necessary to have God's words than it is to have 
food and nourishment enough to keep me alive. Uh, many men have said this over the years, and I, I don't know that anyone should try to take credit for it because it all goes back to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, is you have nothing worth living for until you have something worth dying for. That's a statement that we use. But isn't that what Job is saying right here? He's saying, I esteem thy words more than my necessary food. We're not, we're not talking about sitting down at a restaurant and enjoying a great meal. What we're talking about is nourishment enough to keep you alive. We're talking about the difference between life and death. Job said, and with all of the trials and things that he was, he was basically on a starvation diet at this point. His body was sick. He couldn't receive nourishment. He couldn't enjoy life as he once did because of all the things that had happened to him. And he said, if I had to give up the little bit of food I'm eating, I'm able to eat. Remember, he was covered in boils from head to toe. Beside all of the emotional and the uh, uh, other things, uh, the physical loss of every possession that he had and the scorning of his servants and even his own wife telling him, just curse God and die, give up, Job. He says, I want you to know, as you are persecuting me, my friends, of course, if you had friends like Job, He said, I still desire and value his words than I do my necessary food. I want you to think about that. When is the last time these words were more important than food? I mean, that's hard, living in America. Because food is everywhere. I have a preacher friend, I think he's out in Washington now, Brother King. He loves coffee. And one of these days we'll get Brother King in and he'll tell you all of his coffee jokes. He, he's hilarious. But I'll tell you what, I, I like a cup of coffee when I'm studying my Bible. But you know what? Usually, I like it hot. I mean, really hot. And I like it with a little Splenda, because I can't do sugar. And, and uh, I like it with a little cream. Actually, I like it with a lot of cream. And, and do you know how long it takes to fix a really good cup of coffee? It's usually quicker to run down to Starbucks and get one than fix it yourself. But how much time have I just wasted trying to make myself comfortable so I can study the Bible? Isn't that pretty pathetic? Am I allowed to criticize myself this morning? I hope you find yourself somewhere in that criticism because we all do the same thing, do we not? Here's what Jeremiah said. Let me just read you Jeremiah 15, 16. 
Thy words, talking about God's words, were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Now, if you take time to read the entire passage there in Jeremiah 15, he was in great persecution. He was in danger uh, of being killed by the enemies of the word of God. He suffered for the words of God. And yet he said, I found them and I ate them. They were the joy. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name. Now, think about the joy and rejoicing of thy heart. I mean, what just really makes your day? I mean, if I were able, if I were to able to come to you and say, now, listen, what, what thing could I bring to you that you could eat that would just make you full of joy and rejoicing? Chocolate dipped cannolis, amen. or nice big piece of red meat done just right on the grill. I mean, these are things that we think about, and even as I'm saying them, my mouth is watering, and I'm going, wow, this, uh, i got to get through this message so I can get to dinner. To, no. Um, we think about these things. But when is the last time that being able to sit down with this book was that special to you? I'll tell you what, I'm praying about that. It's been a long summer. How about you? It's been a hot summer. Oh, I woke up Thursday morning, I was just rejoicing in the Lord, just to feel that cold breeze. I, I mean, I'm glad we have air conditioning, but none of it is as good as God's air conditioning. When he turns the temperature down, I mean, it feels good all the way through. Amen? You see... Jesus, when he was tempted of the devil, quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, and I want to read this. God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. It says, And he, God, humbled thee, Israel, and suffered thee, Israel, to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. God said, I made you eat manna for a reason. I want you to be a little hungry. Because I want you to know there's something more important than feeding your face. There's something more important than just satisfying those physical needs that take so much of our time and energy and effort. He said, you need God's words. They're more important. 
It's great food. Twice in the Bible, I'd like us to look at both of these. Let's turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3. Ezekiel. God did a lot of strange things with Ezekiel. And there are some things in Ezekiel that just are defy human understanding. And I think God put it in there just so that you and I would understand and realize that you're not going to understand everything that's in God's Word. God just put some things in there to say, well, I guess I'm going to have to wait to get to heaven to find out what that wheel inside a wheel with the living coals and I, I, I can't wait to see that thing. I mean, I got some pictures up here, but I know that the reality is nothing. Com- uh, that my pictures are nothing compared to the reality is what I'm trying to say. But look at Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Moreover, he, the Lord, said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak my words unto them, for thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of an hard language, but to the house of Israel. Now, I just like the picture here. I mean, look at verses 9 and 10 of chapter 2. And when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein, and he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was writing there, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Now this was what was written on this roll. A hand appeared holding a scroll, holding a roll. The writing paper was made of animal skins. It was sewed together. And this hand spreads out the roll before him, and he looks... It's written on both sides, and it's mourning, lamentations, and woe. How many times have you heard somebody say, I'm tired of reading the Bible. It's just full of judgment. I mean, God hates everybody. Have you ever heard anybody say that? My first response is, you haven't read much of your Bible, my friend. There's a lot of that in there. But that's... Not what the Bible is all about. The Bible is all about how to avoid that judgment. How to escape that woe. How to have that mourning turned into joy. But God came and said, eat it. And so Ezekiel said, I opened my mouth and I ate the roll. That, I I mean, tan animal skin, uh, it doesn't sound very appetizing to me, but what did it say here? 
He said, it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. I want you to understand something. Even in judgment and mourning and woe, God's words are still the most desirable thing that you can take into your body. That's, what, that's what's being shown us here, amen? I mean, we don't have time to go through every passage because we're trying to get to one at the very end here. But here and in the book of Revelation, we're going to go there in a minute, God actually has a scroll... It's written with God's words and it's judgment, it's mourning, it's lamentations, it's woe. And he says, eat it. And Ezekiel eats it. And he said, it was as sweet as honey. Now, here's where the problem is with most of us. Look what he tells Ezekiel to do. He says, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Now that may sound just a little strange to you and I, but if you'll stop and think about it, you eat food with your mouth and it goes down your esophagus and into your belly. It's there, it's in the stomach that that real turning process and breaking down of the foods, but that's where, I mean, digestion starts in the mouth. We all know this. I mean, it goes down, but the real work starts in the belly and then goes into the intestines where the nutrients are put into your system. You know, there are people that can eat food but they cannot assimilate the nutrition in the food. It just doesn't do anything for them. Their body will not absorb the the things that are in the food that will make them healthy. That's a scary place to be. But you can do things to keep yourself from assimilating food. One is just eating too much and your body doesn't have a chance to digest it and take care of it. Uh, the other thing is just filling yourself full of junk food and, and um, just clogging the system up. But, you know, that's what people do spiritually, isn't it? They'll listen to a sermon like this and say, you know, I need to love God's Word more. And Pastor said that. Let's go get a cannoli. He talked about that too. What was it? Um, Oh, yeah, Joey, as we were going through the... Was it Joey or Jason that got burnt toast out of Thursday night's message? Yeah, it was Jason, my youngest. Uh, We were going through a harmony of the Gospels on Thursday night and just putting the, the four testimonies together. We're not skipping over any scriptures, but just following it and talked about divorce for any cause and... And uh, one of the things was if they, uh, for any cause, was any light misdemeanor such as burning food or something, and I mentioned burnt toast, Jason got burnt toast. But that's all he got Thursday night. Now, 
He's only three years old. As Brother Franz was talking about biting fingers, that's acceptable. But as we get older, we got to get more than burnt toast and cannolis out of the message. We've got to allow the Word of God to assimilate, to be thoroughly digested, to... Uh, the Bible calls it meditation. Now, I don't know what this um, sitting cross-legged and going, hmm, I, I mean, I got a word for that. It's called stupid, all right? Uh, it, it makes no sense to me, and I refuse to allow it to make sense because I'm not trying to empty myself. I'm trying to fill it. Because what's in there is bad. And I want to get it full of the Word of God. So it'll be different. When you meditate on God's Word, you're, you're thinking over the verses and you're rereading the Scriptures and you're trying to let, you're trying to eat that Word. You're trying to fill your bowels. You want it all the way permeating your entire system. So that when you speak, it's not your words. It's His words. But I want to challenge you, that type of Christianity is not for the uh, purpose-driven type of Christians. Because that kind of Christianity is to make you realize your goals. God doesn't want you to realize your goals. He wants you to realize His goals. He wants you to delight yourself also in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your heart is so full of the Word of God, it can no longer want the things that it wants. It can only want the things that God wants. That's the answer. That's the cure, my friend. But I don't know about you, as I preach this message... I got a long ways to go. How about you? Let's go to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. This is the other passage we're told to eat. And here's John speaking, verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter. But it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now, here's what I mean about the Bible explaining the Bible. Look at verse 11. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. How many of you are aware that there are some bitter things in this book called the Bible? I mean, we live in an age where it's all supposed to be positive. 
Tell you what, you can't be positive about sin without compromising. You've got to be negative about sin. God was so negative about sin, he made a place called hell. I don't think you can get much more negative than that. But no person goes to hell because of this or that. They go to hell because they reject this. God can forgive any sin, but he will not forgive the sin of unbelief. Because you've got to believe on him, you've got to accept his message to be saved. And in order to accept God's message, it is absolutely mandatory to reject the world's message. You can't hold on to both of them. And so as we try to talk to people and tell people about the goodness of God and His love, we also have to tell them about the evil of their sin and how that you must let go of your sin and accept the Savior. And I'll tell you, it's really sad when people say, I won't do that. Well, I, I think, I've had people actually tell me, I think God wants me to be happy. I say, yes, he does, but his definition of happiness is not yours. You see, the word blessed is the Bible word for happy. And God wants you to be blessed but he will not bless sin. How many of you remember the first time you heard how to be saved? Wasn't it just as sweet as honey? Then you found out, well, maybe you're going to have to give up a few things. Got a little bitter, didn't it? Not for long. Because when you realize what you give up for Jesus, it's absolutely nothing compared to the beauty and the wonder of this book called the Bible. Amen? Can't we have a good amen on that one? You see, this book is great food. It's great substance. It is what it takes to live forever. And the only way you're going to do it is you've got to get it in you. I mean, you can sit there and look at the food all day long. But you're not going to get one bit of nourishment. I've met people say, Pastor, I gain weight just looking at pictures of food. No, you don't. It's what you do with the food when nobody's looking that gains the weight. Isn't that true? You ain't going to lie in church. You'll lie anywhere, won't you? We've got to get this in us. 
That's why in Sunday school we teach all of the stories of the Bible. Because they're foundational to understanding the rest of the Bible. Sunday night, we're going through the book of Proverbs. We've been at it for 21 or 22 weeks. And we're, we've gone through the first 10 ver- chapters verse by verse, and now we're just kind of topical covering the rest of the subjects uh, of the book because there's so much in the book of Proverbs that we need every day. I don't know about you, but every day as I'm faced, I hear a temptation or am faced with something that um, would might be a better investment of my time. There's the Holy Spirit just ringing Proverbs. I'll tell you what, you got to get it in. Now, I promise you, the next two points won't be near as long as the first one this morning, but let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 4. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 119... I mean, not Psalm 119, but in the book of Psalms, it says, Thy word have I exalted, hast thou exalted above all thy name. And I make no apologies for lifting up the words of God. I make no apology for demeaning the works of any and every and all men. Someone said, don't you believe in... No! I do not believe in the greatness of men. I believe in the superiority of the Word of God. You say, but don't you use commentaries? Well, sometimes, if they agree with the Scriptures. But I'll tell you what, my my time is much better spent in this book than in any other book's. Deuteronomy 4, verse 8. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Now this is Moses asking a question to the children of Israel. He says, what nation is there so great that has a law like yours. I think this has been said probably too many times, but the last I heard it, there's two and a half million laws in the legal code of the United States government. Every one of them is trying to help you keep the Ten Commandments. I think that's a pretty good summation. But I'll tell you what, the answer is not making any more laws. It's keeping the ones we got. See, Jesus said there were two great commandments that brought all the other 600 in. What was it? Love the Lord thy God and thy neighbor as thyself. Do you know any religion that starts off with that? I mean, think about it. 
for six months, several years ago, we had a Buddhist priest coming in and, and he said, I want you to teach me what the Bible says. And so I, I tried to teach him what the Bible said. And then he made a couple of statements. He says, yeah, and he told me what Buddhism was based on. And certainly he's not the only spokesman for Buddhism, etc., but I'll tell you what, I was confused. It was, it was amazing that anyone would believe this. He said, there was fish in a river, and they knew the people who were outside the river were starving, and so the fish jumped out of the river so that the men could eat them. And I said, what's that supposed to illustrate? He said, it, it illustrates harmony in the universe and, and, and how the eternal karma is working. I said, there's only one problem with that. He said, what is it? I said, there has never been in recorded history any fish that had enough sense to know that somebody on the bank was starving, let alone jump out and offer himself for food. I said that... If you're trying to explain that, I'm glad I got my Bible. He said, did you really tell me yes? I said, that makes no sense at all. I said, everything in this book, when I apply it to real and living relationships with other human beings, it works. It works every time. And not only does it work, it is the absolute highest ideals that man has ever attained to. Tell you what, this is a great law. Don't you come in here and tell me, I, I, I just, God's law is too strict. No. Man's standards are too low. We're always looking to justify ourselves. Say, but pastor, how do you deal with this thing of always coming up short? I want to know how you deal with this thing as being as good as your God is. That would blow my mind. To have a God that I could look eye to eye with and be equal and treat him as an equal. What kind of God is that, my friend? What kind of nonsense? And yet, all false religion is based on the attempts of man to either become as good as God or become God in himself. That's all false religion is. I'm glad I'll never attain to the level of goodness of God. That I'll always fall short. Because that tells me how great God is. You can't find a law with higher moral requirements than this one. Nowhere in history. Even people who've tried to imitate it. They don't come anywhere near what was already printed in the Word of God. But I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2.
Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. I want to tell you something. This is great food. Amen? This is the greatest law that has ever been known to mankind because it's not man's law, it's God's law. But it tells me about the greatest love that has ever been shown. Now that may almost seem contradictory. Maybe like sweet in my mouth is honey and bitter in my belly. Maybe, it's, maybe it is a little contradictory. But you see, that's God. He, in spite of His perfect holiness, still loves us. And you can't explain that one. I don't care who you are. You see, love was never meant to be explained. It's meant to be lived. Years ago, I was able to tell my then-girlfriend that I loved her for the first time. Oh, was that an exciting day. By the way, I had to get my, her dad's permission before I was able to tell her those words. He was very strict. I'm glad about that. Because people toss those words around like, oh, love you, love you, love you, love you, wait a minute. The great love wherewith he loved us, amen. You see... If she had said, well, you know, I've studied my Bible an awful lot and I assent to the intellectual ideals of love. You know what I said? I take it back. I, I don't want someone to give me an intellectual treatise on love. I want someone who will accept what I can give and will return that love. And I can tell you, after almost 25 years, it's a whole lot better now than it was back then. But that's the way God intended it to be. Amen? And that's what God wants us to do with His love. You receive it in salvation. Read the rest of the chapter. But He didn't just save you so you can go to heaven. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you to live in His love each and every day. And do you know that living in His love fulfills the law and goes so far above it that not only do I nourish my soul, that if I get enough of that word in me, I have some left over to give to some others. I like the way the old preacher B.R. Lakin used to say, he said, you got to get the saucer full, I mean the cup full. He said, then it runs over and fills the saucer. He said, and then before long, the saucer starts spilling it out on the table so everybody can get some. That's the life. 
that's connected to this word. Now, let's go to the verse that I've been trying to explain, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Well, let's start in verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. I just want you to think about verse 3. We have great substance. We have a great wall. We have God's great love all laid out before us. How are you going to escape God's judgment if you neglect what's written in this book called the Bible? And you know what, Christian? God tells us that we can hurt ourselves, we can lose rewards. We can quench that Holy Spirit that lives within us. We can suffer for wrongdoing just like the world does if we neglect. You see, Jesus didn't just save you from hell. He saved you from yourself. He saved you from your own thoughts and your own reasoning capabilities. I'll tell you, the strongest prison in the world is that little two and a half pounds of gray matter that's right between your, uh, right between your ears and just behind your eyes. How many people are held captive in their own mind and can never get free? Uh, this will break those bars. Because it's a great salvation. It will save you from your past. You say, I, you don't know what I've done, preacher. Yeah, don't tell me. I already know enough bad stuff. Amen? Show me what God's going to do with your future, my friend. That's what this verse is about. But nothing good is going to happen until you get it in. You got to get it full. You got to let it digest thoroughly and carefully. You've got to esteem this book greater than your necessary food. And you've got to understand that all of the writings of man if we could if we could assemble them in one place and just call out the absolute best and the wisest statements. I knew an old-time preacher. He used to have two or three uh, students follow him everywhere he went. And every once in a while he'd come out with, hey, that's a good statement. Write that down. 
I mean, if we could take just those things, and most of it was very good, by the way, but if we could get all that the world has ever produced and put it on one side and lay this book on the other, the scale just fall immediately because this is greater than the sum total of everything that man has produced, even using this as a foundation, my friend. Because it's only in this book do we understand God's love. How much He loves us. And you know what? He doesn't want you to understand it. He wants you to live in it. You know, when you live in love, it changes you. It makes you act different. It forces a response. You know, I've got a problem with the kind of Christianity that says, I can love Jesus and go do whatever I want during the week. I, I can love Jesus, but he's got to understand that I have a career to pursue, that I live in a real world. I got a problem with that kind of Christianity. That's not the kind that's in this book. Everything I do ought to be determined by the love of God. Amen? And that's not just for the preacher. Do you know it'll be a whole lot easier to put up with that miserable slob at work if you're full of the love of Jesus Christ than it will be trying to be big enough to excuse their idiocy all on your own because you're not that big, I'm sorry. Forgiveness can only be found in the pages of this book. You cannot forgive someone on your own. Only God can give you forgiveness because only Jesus paid for sin and that's where forgiveness begins. My friends, God's words are great. But the message is to you and to I. It's to be lived each and every day. And just like last week's sermon, do you sigh? You know what? If you don't get a little upset and a little wearied with all the wickedness in this world, there's something wrong. But I'm so full of the love of God that I can go back to those very same people if they'll hear and tell them about his love. I don't know about you, but... I just felt like I couldn't wait until I got everything in agreement in my life with this message because I don't think I ever will. This is one of those messages that you just got to go with because it's in the Word of God. You see, you're not going to escape God's judgment if you neglect what's in this book. And Christian, you have no excuse for not using the life that God has given you to touch others with what's in this book. We've got to get busy today. 
There'll be one day when we will know as we are known. We won't have to worry about any of the temptations and all the problems we face. But till we get to heaven, could I ask God to help me esteem the, His words more than necessary nutrition? Could I allow God's word, even though it's bitter in my belly, to be sweet in my mouth? Would I not allow all the rabble and all the babble of this world to demean God's word and, and to lower its standards and understand that this is the pinnacle of holiness? It can't get any better or any higher than what's already been written down. And will I choose to live in that love that God has given me? I'll tell you. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you look at other people. It'll change you so much that somebody might even look at you and say, hey, you've got to be a Christian. Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? A little sarcasm there, I'm sorry. Wouldn't it be wonderful that you had enough Bible on the inside that it showed on the out? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would take this message this morning and help us understand just a little more about how great, how beyond comprehensible, how wonderful Your words are to us. This book was written to us. And Lord, that we would let your word do its work, that it would fill us and completely saturate our systems so that we could tell other people, that we would eat it and let it fill our system. That Lord, we would understand, as we all know, we know the fact that there is no law greater than yours. Yours is the greatest. But Lord, help us to realize that as we listen to all the foolishness that man has to offer. And Lord, let us believe and live in your love and take it to the world in which we live. Lord, I pray that we would not neglect the great salvation that is in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.